Let me go ahead and prepare you and prepare Watts Bar Community family. Uh, today's message is going to be a tough message. In fact, I was sharing with our, our pastors uh, before we came out and we were praying. I said, man, today's going to be tough. But I believe it's going to end good. Um, so uh, I don't expect at the first of this message a whole lot of amens. Um, more omis than amens. Um, and to be honest, I had a different message because I knew we were going to be gone. And I'm like, I want to enjoy our time away. I had a message already planned out. And about halfway through our trip, uh, I got up super early as I usually do. And man, God just began to deal with me and Holy Spirit began to, you know, some people Holy Spirit leads. I found with me, he more pushes because, I, you know, I'm, I'm not easy to lead. So I'm fine. He has to kind of push me in certain directions and, and begin to push me in this direction. And, and I, I want to be obedient to whatever God says to do and whatever. Come on, anybody. Um, but before we dive in, I want to thank some amazing people. One, I want to thank our amazing pastors. That Yeah, I'm going to tell you. That, that me and Denise, I'm going to tell you, this is rare in churches that, that a pastor can leave, go on sabbatical or, or go away for vacation and know he can trust those he's put over it. And so I am thankful. And I, Pastor Casey, did he not knock it out of the park last week? Okay. And we talk about this church even when we're out of the country. We sat down, or this guy actually approached us on our bus ride back, and from the UK, he looked, and I told him, I said, you, I'm having a hard time not seeing you as Gordon Ramsay. Uh, and he's, I get that a lot, and that's a terrible accent, so I just forget, forget I did that. <laughs> but we met him and talked, struck up a conversation, and we don't normally tell people we're pastors, because we don't want people to feel like they've got to act any different than who they are around us. But... That evening, we're sitting down to eat dinner, and, or is it that next morning? He said, hey, I know these people. Can I sit with you guys and eat with you guys? He comes and sits with us and eats, and so the conversation gets around to, so, so you mind me asking, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He says, shut up. <laughs> because he had been using several uh, words that the Europeans love to use, uh, and it didn't bother me one bit. I'm like, listen, and I got to share with him about Casey's story and how we've watched God, what God has done. He's now my associate pastor. And he was trying to wrap his head around Denise being a pastor too. But I don't think it ever got to that point that he could just, so are, you're, you're a pastor too? And uh, so Denise was trying to explain to him. But I'm going to tell you, we brag about this place wherever we go because I love this church. I do. Uh, I also want to uh, say thank you to those that showed up yesterday to help clean up and get things ready for today. A big shout out to Sarah Vodka uh, for, for just, yeah. And, and her husband, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, we don't know his DJ name yet, but I'm going to find out. Uh, uh, but I want to thank you also, Watts Bar Community Church. Here's why I want to thank you. I want to thank you for making it easy to want to come back home. Are you hearing me? There's a lot of pastors when they go away, they're like, oh man, I got to get back. 
we were ready to get back to our church family. So thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, but we love this church. We, I, I tell you, I love my church. And um, with that being said, I'm going to make a statement. Uh, and I'm going to stand by this statement that I'm about to make. I believe the church in general, you know, when I say the church, you know, I'm talking about the church, has lost its identity. They don't know who they are. Uh, we, we have become known more for what we're against than what we're for. Come on, are you following? Here's the problem with losing your identity. Because if you don't know who you are, the world will be quick to give you an identity and tell you who you are. And here's the identity the world has given the church. Homophobic, transphobic, hypocrites, closed-minded, self-righteous. Come on, I could go on and on and on and on. That's the name that, that, that they've given us. And here's why I believe we've lost our identity. Because at some point, the church quit, quit being the church and just started doing church. The church boiled down to a group, some programs, some things instead of actually being the church. And when you start doing something instead of being something, you lose your identity and you take on that identity the world has given you. Get this. Denise and I, we, we just got back from Europe Thursday night. Um, just 100 years ago, only 100 years ago, 70% of the world's Christians were in Europe. Now... A hundred years later, Europe is less than 1% evangelical Christian in a hundred years. 70 to 1%. There are over 250,000 towns, cities, and villages in Europe that don't have a Christian church in them. Well, that's Europe, PK. We're in America. Have you looked around? I, I know I'm about to make some statement that's going to rub people the wrong way. But you just got to know you're wrong and I'm right. Uh, come on. Have you watched the news? The, the world is laughing at us because we don't even know the difference between a boy and a girl. We're being mocked. Come on. I'm talking about the USA. Michigan. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this. Just passed. We're at any stage in the pregnancy up to birth, you can abort the baby. Two days ago. Just passed it. Uh, over the past couple of weeks here in the great USA, we have seen protests supporting a group that slaughtered, raped, and murdered innocent people. And people at prominent colleges are saying, yeah, 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 death to all Jews. And our government is not doing one single thing about it. 
That's, the, that's our country. So when you see a hundred years ago, a country, a, 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 a Europe, a continent that was 70% and now they're 1% or less. We better watch out. And, and, and that's what happens when the church stops being the church and is only doing church. Dan and Bill, welcome back, guys. So um, here, here's what I think a lot of the issue, even for people, a part of this community. The church is simply this building that sits on this hill. Or the, we're getting ready to build a new church behind here. And we see that as the church. When the Bible is very clear, this is not the church. This is just a building that hosts the church. You and I, we are the church. Come on, we are the church. And we can, we can get online, complain about the decline of morality. We can talk and complain about what's going on in our school system. We can spend hours online, come on, voicing our opinions. But if we are not being ch the church and only doing the church, the time, the time has come when we either put up or shut up. Well, PK, people won't like us. And people will hate us. Here's a new flash. They already do. And Jesus told us they would. I mean, do you remember what Jesus saying this in Matthew 15, 18? If the world hates you, just hold on because it'll get better. If the world hates you, just blend in and they'll come around to liking you. No, he says, if the world hates you, you need to remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So the world hates you. Yes, the world's in a mess. Yes, the world seems like it's losing its dang mind. Come on. It's jacked up economically, morally, politically, socially, environmentally. It's a mess. But church, this is what we were created for. This is why we were put here. We weren't put here in, in the middle of chaos to, to just kind of sit back and let chaos continue. We were meant to be a light to this world. I, you know, I have people, uh, Pastor, I need you to pray that God will get me a new job because I'm surrounded by heathens, by people that don't know Jesus. And I'm like, maybe that's where Jesus wants you because you are the light, the only light that those people have in that area. See, we've not, we've not been called, church, to back down in fear or quieten down out of insecurity. We have been called to be the light in this world. The prayer that we really need to start praying as followers of Jesus should sound something like this. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, let my heart beat 
for the things that, that your heart beats for. That should be our prayer. Can I tell you what God's heart beats for? Don't, don't bring up that verse yet. Because John 3, 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to read that from the message because, man, it really pinpoints this. Bring that up. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Get this. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point out an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. That's his heartbeat for, that's what we should be praying. It's really easy to begin to point out everybody else's flaws while we keep our sins under wraps. I'm going to deal with this in a few weeks because I believe one of the enemy's tactics, and I, I believe he's trying to use it in Watsonbar Community Church, is division. And we're going to deal with some of it. That's going to be a fun one. Let's move on. The moment we become consumed by something other than what consumes God, we lose our identity. And we no longer are being the church. We're just a social Sunday club. Come on. We've lost our identity. And with that, we've lost our passion. Can I tell you, nobody has to make me go to Neyland Stadium to a football game. You don't have to make me do that. I want to go. In fact, I'm looking for four tickets for the Vanderbilt game. No, so. <laughs> so. And here's why I say that. If you're taking notes, I have very few notes for you today. Passion creates a want to, not a have to. Yeah. And we've lost our passion when it comes to being the church. I'm just going because I have to. And I show, tell you, I showed up today because I want to. I want to be here. Do you, man, do you remember when, when you were driven by passion for that wife of yours? Come on. When you started dating, you would talk on the phone for hours. You hang up. No, you hang up. You hang, No, no, you hang up. I mean, can you remember those days? And now your wife can't get two words out of you. What changed? Passion drives you to do things you normally wouldn't do. Women, you're not off the hook. Do you remember when you were dating that man that's now your husband? You dressed up. You shaved more than once a month. Come on. You wanted to look good for that man. Smell good. Now you walk around the house in an old bath robe and, 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 and old sweats with your hair all over your head. What's the difference? Passion drove you. Come on now. You know why it's funny? Because it's true. But let's move on. 
When, <laughs> welcome to Wasbar Community Church. Hey. Passion makes you want to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Come on. Passion is what makes me go to thrift shops with my wife. It makes me go yard selling with my wife. Passion. Passion. Passion makes her get on the back of my motorcycle and go riding with me. Passion makes her go to a football game with me she, when she could care less about football. Are you hearing me? Passion. Well, no, they weren't quite passionate that day. They wanted to leave early, didn't they? Let's, let's move on. But you do stuff when you're passionate about it. See, here's the truth, guys. Nobody's going to make you get up and pray in the morning. Nobody's going to make you read your Bible. Nobody's going to make you give. Nobody's going to make you serve. Nobody's going to make you share Jesus. Because when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the product of that, the byproduct, is loving your neighbor as yourself. Let's look deeper. Because the church is made up of individuals, right? And people that, when you've got a room full of individuals, of people that aren't healthy, aren't alive, aren't passionate about the things of God, the byproduct of that is a church that is unhealthy, a church that isn't alive. A church that isn't passionate about the things God is passionate about. Because we are in a time in our nation when there are a lot of people feeling hopeless. Come on. A lot of people that feel stuck. I almost to a place where you think, man, what's the point? What's the point? And, and we're getting ready to go through a, a season in this nation when the political races are going to bring out even more anger and animosity. People are going to be forced to pick sides. And if you aren't on their political side, then you are automatically their enemy. Because some, some, I don't know how it got to this point where we think we can't disagree and still love each other. If that was the case, me and my wife would hate each other because there's a lot of things we don't agree on. Are you with me? But we still love each other. In fact, I'm going to tell this funny story. I normally wouldn't tell it, but I'm home. We were, we were talking, another, I forget where we were so, so, in one of the stops we made. And, and suddenly we said, like, I, she, I, said, I was asking her, I said, what's wrong with you? Cause, and, and she said, well, what do you mean? I said, you know, I just feel like you don't like me. She said, well, I have days when I feel like you don't like me. I said, that's because there are days I don't like you. <laughs> and, she started, and she starts dying laughing. And she says, I know. Because when you're honest, there are days, but I love this woman. So even on the days when my feelings are not all there, I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to stick it on. Are you with me? And the same with you as a brother and a sister in Christ. We may have days when we disagree, when you're hard to love. I'm hard to love, but I'm not going to count you off. 
I'll hear about that story later. Um, <laughs> what, what amazes me, though, when election time comes around, every four years, you know, what amazes me, it never fails. Uh, a, a lot of people, Christians, believe they have this thought process. If the right person gets elected, when they may say right person, you understand, they're their person. When they get, if they get elected into office, everything is going to be great. But if the wrong person, meaning not their person, gets elected, it's going to fall apart. Can I tell you, there is not one single individual that has that much power over your life other than Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. No matter who gets elected into office this next year, if your marriage is falling apart, it won't matter who's in the White House. If your kid is strung out on drugs, it won't matter who's in the White House. Come on. That's all right. Let's, let's get to the good stuff, Kelly. Ezekiel 37. Some of y'all wondering, man, is this guy ever going to read any scripture? Let's get to the scripture. And I have already read scripture. Ezekiel 37, this is going to be where we're going to spend the remainder of our time. Babe, can I get that bottle of water, please? Thank you. Um, the children of Israel are kind of in a place where this nation is at right now. Not a lot of hope. People are desperate. And, and the truth is, um, they're the ones that got them into the mess. They're in. Sound familiar? Come on. Aren't most of the situations we find ourselves in, we got ourselves in those? Well, what about this? They're in a place emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, mentally where even their strong belief in God won't allow them to see a way out. Ever been there? I mean, they know they're God's chosen people. They know they're support, supposed to be blessed by God, but they find themselves thinking they're more cursed than blessed. They're more abandoned than they are adopted, and they're more hopeless than they are hope-filled. And the conclusion they have come to about, about their life is this. They had no future. They had no future. And that's where we're going to dive in today, Ezekiel chapter 37, because God is about to speak to the prophet Ezekiel about some things. Starting with verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Stop there for a minute. In Cambodia, um, there's a place known as the Killing Fields, a place where hundreds of thousands of people were killed and buried by the Khmer Rouge regime, regime during its rule over the country from 1975 to 1979. 
They estimate that the total number of people that died resulting from this regime ranged from 1.7 million to 2.5 million out of a population of just over 8 million. Bring that picture up. Now, I've never been there. But they say that you can still go now and see these fields filled with bones. And they're stacked upon stacked upon stacked. And even underneath the ground, they say where where it's grown up, there's still the evidence of this mass murder that took place. This is what God is showing Ezekiel. All he sees, bones upon bones. On bones. So I use that picture because I want you to get that image to what he's looking at right now, what God's showing him. Let's, let's go on, verse 3. And God's about to ask him a question. He says, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Now, now, now if, I'm a, if, if I'm Ezekiel, I may feel like this is a trick question because God says, Hey, can these bones live again? If I say no, what? Don't you have any faith? But if I say yes, God, they can live again, he may go, show me. <laughs> Come on. But, but Ezekiel's a lot smarter than me. And, and he comes to this conclusion, uh, you alone know, God. I wonder how many times in our lives that God is pressing us causing us to wrestle with different things in life so that we can come to a place where we finally say, only you know, God. Only you know. I wonder how many times that God is just waiting us to pass the questions that this life throws at us to him and say, here they are, God, and only you know the questions. Only you've got the answers to this. He says, only you know. So God likes his answer, and he begins to walk him through some steps. Look at this, verse 4. So then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones. God's like, listen, you got to let them know who you're talking to. First step, dry bones. Now, I preach to a lot of dead places, but this is a whole different level. Come on. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Now he's saying, hey, hey, you got to let them know you're speaking on my behalf. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. Watch this. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Look at this next verse. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. Back to back, God makes this declaration. Once I breathe into you, you will come to life. Once I speak into you, you will come to life. So listen, so maybe the question is not, can these dry bones live? Maybe the question God is asking us today is, do you want to live? Do you want to come alive? Because there are, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's move on. I love this though, because Ezekiel, God tells something that sounds insane. Come on, come, come on, can we agree that this sounds insane? 
God, uh, Zeke, I need you to go down this dry bones. I want you to prophesy to him. That sounds insane, but God tells Ezekiel to do it, and Ezekiel's just, okay. I'll roll with it, God. So he says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bones came together. Listen, how is, how is he even still standing there? Come on. I mean, I believe in God, but I say, bones, uh, and I start seeing them move. Come together. I'm out of there. I'm running. I'm like, okay, this is some next level stuff, God. But he said, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them. But look, there was no breath in them. When I was reading this, I can't help but wonder, why doesn't God just speak to them? This is kind of his specialty, bringing things to life. I mean, he, he, brought, he created man from dust to the ground, breathed into him. He created the heavens and the earth. Why doesn't God just do it? In fact, it would be a lot easier for God just to do it than try to get a human to do it. Yet here we have this moment where God is telling Ezekiel what to say to the dry bones. It's kind of like God saying, Ezekiel, you know I could do this on my own, but I need you to learn how to speak life into dead things. Because here's the truth. There are things God wants to do in human history that he's waiting on a human in history to step up and do it. I believe that there are some things that God wants to do in this community, in your family, where you work, where you go to school, that he's simply waiting on a man or a woman to step into that moment and see what God sees, hear what God hears, and speak what God says. Because get this, the bones don't start coming together when God speaks. Do you notice that? It's when Ezekiel speaks. How many of us, God has placed people in your life. One of the things me and Denise always do is when, in fact, when we were on the plane leaving out, uh, Denise said, let's pray. And I began to pray. She said, hey, hey, also pray that God would open up doors and opportunities for us to speak to people. But I wonder how many people have come across our path that God put them there so that we could speak life into them. But we were scared and chose to just Stay silent. How many times have we sat around saying, God, do something? And God is saying, I'm trying, but you're still not willing to do anything yourself. How many times have we said, God, fix this? And God's like, I'm trying to fix you so that I can change the world through you. Let's go back to verses 7 and 8. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. 
As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. In other words, they looked alive, but they were dead. This is a description of our nation right now. People that look alive, but they're dead. They're dead. See, if you and I were to see someone walking around, nothing but actual bones, uh, we would know something's wrong, right? But the problem is they weren't just bones. Skin, tendons, muscles, everything was there. But there was no breath. And the problem we have today, even in the church, is there are a lot of walking dead that appear to be alive, but they are not. Do you remember in Genesis when God created Adam? God formed, formed him from the dust and he had this appearance of a living human being, right? He, he had an appearance, but it wasn't, it wasn't until God breathed into him that he came to life. So many had the appearance of life but lacked the breath of God in them. Verse 9, so he said to me, prophesied of the breath. Chris, our brother Chris, talked about this a couple weeks ago. But the, the, the Hebrew word that is used here is ruach. And it means, when it's translated, it means breath, wind, and spirit. And God says to Ezekiel, speak to the wind, speak to the spirit. He said, prophesy to the breath, the wind, the spirit, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breathe from the four winds, breathe into these slain, that they may live. See, why the idea of God using a man to speak into dry bones, that sounds insane to us. Speak into these dead bones. Speak into these things that have the appearance. Make no mistake, that is God's intention for everybody. It's to breathe life into you. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army. See, this is a prophetic vision here that God is giving to Ezekiel. But really, it is a prophetic vision that God is trying to get us to see. God is trying to get us to see that there is a place when we can stand where, where God wants us to and use us to breathe life into those dead people that feel they think they're alive. They think things are great. They think they've got the answers, but what they're missing is the wind and the spirit of God breathing into them. And God is saying, that's why I want you here. I love the last part. They came to life stood up on their feet. Look at this, a vast army. Let me ask you what's bar? 
Could it be that God is just waiting for a man, a woman, a community of believers to come together as a vast army and begin speaking life wherever we go? Somebody's backing up. Anybody in this room experience going from death to life? Come on. Anybody? Well, I fear you'd be more excited about that than that. I'm going to ask you one more time. Anybody in this room, have you experienced personally going from death and God breathing life into you? I'm glad you see that because you need to understand God never raises anyone back to life without giving them a purpose and a mission and something to do. Look at this, verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, I want you to notice this. These bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Let me ask you. Who is saying that their bones, that, that, that they're dried up, that there's no hope? Who's saying this about them? Themselves. God's not saying this about them. This is how they see themselves. There's no hope for us. Anybody ever been there? You feel like there's no hope for me. Amen. Anybody ever made so many bad decisions with your life that you didn't feel like there was a good one to make? That you'd made so many bad decisions that got you to where you are right now. But there are no decisions that you can make to get you back to where you need to be. Because that's where they felt. They said, we don't have hope. They said, we're cut off of them. But this was not God's view of them. It's theirs. Look at this. So God says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves, bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I'm the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Look at this. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Man. If I could get Bob or somebody to come on up because I'm getting ready to close. I don't know if you got that, but it's powerful. When they said there is no hope, when they said we are cut off, when they said this, God says, I ain't done with you yet. I'm not finished with you yet. Listen, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how, how much damage you've done to yourself or to others, no matter how dark or destructive a road you've been on, you may have given up on you, but God will never give up on you. God is just saying, let me ruach, breathe the wind of spirit into you. to those that have been believing for a miracle, believing for a breakthrough, believing for a healing, 
and you're growing tired of waiting. And maybe it's getting hard to think that anything is going to change. God still speaks. God still breathes. And when he breathes, I got a call this morning. I'm in my office. And he said, Kelly, I need you to pray for my brother. He said, my brother is a, has been healthy his whole life, never gone to a doctor, never done anything like that. And he started having this pain and went to the doctor. And the doctor told him, you've got six weeks to live. Get your things in order. Cancer is set in your body. And I began to pray with this guy. I said, listen, I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for all that. But we do not receive that word. I serve a God. Listen, I serve a God that when the doctors say there's no hope, I've seen God come through time and time and time again. So for those you've been praying, maybe today God just wants to breathe life back into you. Man, can you feel the wind blowing? Stand with me across this room. The breath of God is in this room right now. wanted to call some dry bones back to life. Some people that are dead. And maybe you didn't even know you were dead. Because you have the appearance of life. But you're not walking and living with the breath of God in you. The breath of God is not filling your lungs. And maybe today you say, today's my day. I want to come alive. Today's my day. I want to surrender completely my life and allow God, allow Holy Spirit to just breathe into me. If that's you, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to ask people to bow your heads. If that's you, raise your hand. Right now, you say, I want that. I want that. Come on. Help me out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody else? Come on. Yeah. Anybody else? Straight, those that raise your hands will keep your hands up. Holy Spirit, right now, begin to breathe. Begin to breathe. Wind, Spirit, we call to the we call to the Spirit, we call to the wind. Holy Spirit, come now, breathe life. Come on, help me, church. Help me pray. There are those in this room. You've given up hope. You've been praying for a miracle. You've been praying for a breakthrough. You've been praying for a healing. And maybe you you might not go so far as to say you've given up hope. But you're about to the point where you've just accepted this is the way it's going to be. That's you. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit, breathe. Wind, breath, wind, breath. Wind, 
share and sing that verse in that chorus.